you a question? <laughs> no, <laughs> I'm here only for the Jiva fall down question. All <laughs> other questions. Go no, no, we decided I will answer the difficult questions and you will answer the simple questions. So I'll answer difficult questions like, you know, what does ISKCON stand for? <laughs> Who founded ISKCON? <laughs> Prabhu will answer very simple questions like, did the Jiva fall down? Female Diksha Guru and all of that. <laughs> So I was speaking with my uncle. <laughs> so we were having this uh, debate on uh, like ethics and uh, Hinduism, and he was using Lord Ram as an example when he banished Sita, and he said this is not like a, such an ethical thing, not a moral thing that he's done. And like this is this is in our shastras that like you just like banish his wife, and like and and he said because he did this, you know, everyone can make up an excuse to why he did this, but. What is it? What what way would you go about saying how how this pastime shows like how morals and ethics morality and ethics is shown through Hinduism? Lord Ram <coughs> did not banish Mother Sita. No, we need to read the read the Ramayana for this. So okay, um, you know Ram was banished to the forest. All of us know we discussed that. So that was a life of uncertainty. He was sent to the forest. Um, he didn't know where to go and there were wild animals there completely insecure, uncertain all of us know the past time, right? so the way Ram was banished to the forest by his mother's keke that was not the way he sent Sita to the forest there is a difference there is a difference between uh, Ram being banished to the forest and Sita being sent to Valmiki Muni's ashram First, let us get this clear. Ram was not Ram was banished to the forest, and Sita was sent to an ashram where there were many devotees, including women, who could take care of her. That is the first. Secondly, Ram, as a husband, what he did was wrong. Nobody will deny. It. No Ram devotee will say, "Yes, he is right." I don't know any Ram devotee who will say that, you know, Lord Ram did the right thing by sending another Sita. In fact, every Ram devotee will cry and he will feel bad that, oh, Lord Ram shouldn't have done this. So the first, the first point is that there's a difference between being banished to the forest and being sent to an ashram where there is protection. Ashram means Ashray or shelter. Okay, that is a <coughs> yes, because you asked the question and yeah, sorry. I'm wanting you to just settle. So that is the first point point. The first point is it was it was an ashram, the very center. Second, uh, what is the second point? <coughs> yeah. The devotees of Ram will never justify Ram sending Mother Sita to the forest, to Vadikrishna's ashram. Every devotee will feel pain. And they are angry with the resident of Ayodhya for this. And thirdly, we have to understand, okay, now what Ram did as a husband was wrong. At the same time, Ram was playing also a role of a king. Now, 
as a king he saw that one day his ministers he had, he had a council of 10 ministers bhadra <laughs> was the chief of them he was avoiding lord ram he was not looking in, looking at him eye to eye so when lord ram confronted him he said all of us have been having lot of meetings and lot of citizens in ayodhya are complaining and that you are handpicked husband and you are just simply accepting mother sita and you know they kind of cast lot of it was not it was it was not accusations on sita directly as much as it was accusations on ram uh, ram's uh, not being qualified enough to rule the kingdom and ram's for a king's man, king's currency to rule is the mandate of his people so as a king he also had another role to play as a king also how many of you here have been kings anybody so you wouldn't know what is a king's challenge so how many of you been a mayor of a city or chief minister or, you know prime minister none of us right so we don't know what is the challenge of being a king so ram had to balance these two roles so this is in classic hindu should tell your uncle that in hindu philosophy there is a concept called dharma conflict this is one of the most important points in vedic scriptures dharma what is dharma anybody knows what is dharma duty dharma the sanskrit word is derived from the root dhra dhra dharma comes from dhra dhra means dharti you know dhra dhra means hold sustain maintain so it is said that dharma means performing some activities by which harmony and balance is maintained in the cosmos so if each one of us performs our duty sincerely then we are ensuring that there is harmony and balance for example if you are a student you sincerely study then you are you are ensuring dharma being held in the upheld in the universe in the cosmos in the large scale of things if you are a mother and you are unconditionally loving your offspring that is called as adhering to dharma so like that we all have a dharma we all have to follow our dharma to ensure that there is harmony in the universe now the problem is all of us have many dharma we don't have one dharma to follow we have many roles you know you may be a husband student son father and then when this dharma when this duties clash then what to do then you have to make the best you have to make the best uh, solution I don't understand so far what I'm saying. Like for example, I met one devotee in US. He is telling me, Prabhu, uh, my parents in India want me to come back to India, and my wife and children are insisting I stay in America. What should I do, Prabhu? He is asking me. I said, You are exactly like the situation I got wrong. You are in dharma sankar, dharma conflict. I gave him that answer. It didn't really help him, bro. <laughs> I mean, when Lord Ram is not free from the dharma conflict, how can you be free? Have you ever faced this kind of conflict where you have two right things, two things to do, and you don't know which one to do? Like I know another devotee who is right now on the verge of his in his career, he's on the verge where you know he just needs to work six hours extra every day for the next three years, which means he has to work almost sixteen hours every day for the next three years, and then it seems he is going to have enough savings for the rest of his life. He doesn't have to work at all. and you know he can have a very comfortable life and he can give a lot of money for his children and all of that so he was asking me to i just have to work for 3 years extra hard but 
this is the time when my daughter is fallen very sick and she needs a lot of personal attention from me so now what should i do is a classic dharma conflict so we may solve you know we may have a lot of we may go all the solutions and but then something have to compromise so dharma conflict so all of us go through so you know we many of us may pass the exam i was telling someone recently we may pass the exam with like in the life in the exam of life we may get 50 out of 100 we may pass with 50% some of us may pass with 60% lord ram must have got 90 <laughs> but he also could completely do his justice to his wife you know as a husband what he did was wrong i have no i mean i don't think any ram devotee will justify what he did as a husband but as a king he also had a role to play as a king and we need to give him that uh we need to give him that what to say um what do you call that credit the <laughs> credit is the wrong word <laughs> we need to give that concession i don't know right huh right yeah we need to we need to empathize maybe so this is see the fact is he loved sita we discussed today from aranya khan at least we are sure that at least he was not somebody who didn't love his wife and the proof is his father had 350 wives he could have taken at least a dozen of dozen wives you know There's nothing. His father had three fifty wives, and he had only one wife. Why? Why did he take? And he had a golden statue of Sita made, which he would, you know, he would have that deity of Sita for all the sacrificial performances. He didn't marry at all. So that means he loved her, and he took care of her by seeing that she is protected in an ashram. And the best argument is, I was speaking from Ayodhya country a little back. When Ram said Sita, you shouldn't come to the forest with me. What did Sita do? <coughs> she chastised Lord Ram. Remember what did she tell him? You are a woman in the guise of a man, and I... she chastised him for not taking her to the forest. So Sita was an assertive woman. If she knew that what Lord Ram is doing is wrong, she wouldn't have gone to the forest. She wouldn't have gone to Valmiki Vidyashram. so because she knew what is dharma so if she can uh, stop her husband if she can force her husband to take her to the forest she can also force him to not send her to the ashram and there is a deeper reason also see ramayan has many layers so your your uncle is right now approaching ramayan at the very super at the, at the top layer but if you peel off then you go to a deeper layer where you understand different dharma conflict but there is another deeper layer <coughs> which is a layer of vipralamba loving the lord in separation there was a demon i forget his name gung or something it's one of the puranas he they taken he had done the gavana to benediction that i should be killed by gandharva danava and hiranyakashipu asked for a benediction i should be killed in the day night all of that this demon said i should be only killed if Lord Vishnu and his consort are separated for some, I think, eleven thousand years or something. Some big number he gave because he knew that Lord Vishnu and his consort are never separated. So this pastime is arranged. That's one layer. That's one as one way of seeing it, to fulfill that criteria. And the other is to experience vipralamba, loving in separation. See, when when two lovers meet, there is a lot of <coughs> happiness. But when they are anticipating to meet or when they are separated. and they are feeling that intense separation from each other there is more love and the joy of love in separation 
in spiritual circles, in the spiritual realm, is compared to hot chutney. Now, when you take samosas, you know there is this hot. I don't know if you make it hot here. It's like it's uh, it it's throw chilies, so it's like it burns your tongue, but also tantalizes your senses. It's like ah, it's irresistible. <laughs> it's it's chilies, it's hot, but you can't. So Vipralanga is something like no, Lord Ram is, is away from Sita. Oh. Why? But at the same time, nourishes the heart that you know they are loving each other so much. In fact, the whole Ramayan. Okay, now that you ask this, I'm going. I'm going to the introduction, the beginning of Ramayan. You know, Ramayan begins with this Karuna Ras. Karuna Ras is where there is a lot of crime. Ramayan is full of crime. How does it begin? Valmiki Muni is a great saint. He is going to the forest with his disciple Bharadwaj Rishi. And he sees two croucher birds, Saras crane. They are enjoying, you know, the you know, the male and the female bird are enjoying on the tree. And he looks at those two birds. And Valmiki is a sadhu, the sage. But look at his appreciation for finer uh, rasas. So he's saying, look, that he says, Rishi, look, there is love even amongst birds. And he describes the sacredness of a loving relationship. Valmiki Muni is able to explain this. And as he is feeling satisfied seeing these two birds play and enjoy each other's company, suddenly a cruel hunter, he shoots an arrow and he brings down the male bird. And the female croucher, she starts wailing piteously and crying. And Valmiki's heart is shattered to see her in pain. And, in, in, and not intending, but so spontaneously from his mouth, a curse is pronounced. But that curse comes out in perfect poetic meter. Manishada Pratishthama Samagama Shashwati Sama Etkron Chantuna Dekha Tamaradi Kama Mohita. It's like a perfect Anushtut Chanda meter in Sanskrit. And he's also astonished. Wow! I cursed him in a perfect poetry. I have not heard of anyone who sworn at somebody or has abused someone. Have you ever heard of anyone who's abused someone in poetry? <laughs> so the curse is like this. He says, I see two beautiful birds mating and this cruel hunter has killed the male. So I curse you that may you also never find happiness because you separated a lover from a beloved like that. And then he's like astonished at his curse. And he said, I was in so much pain. Pain means in Sanskrit, shoka. And he says, in this shoka, a shloka came out. <laughs> and he's wondering, how did this happen? And then he comes back to his ashram in a bewildered state and Brahmaji appears. And Brahma says, I made you utter this shloka. I, I kind of staged this for you to narrate, for you to chant this verse. So that you have the confidence and you understand that you can speak Ramayana, you can compose Ramayana in this perfect poetic meter. I want you to compose Ramayana like this. And then he says, Ramayana, this is the essence of Ramayana. Separation. Crying. So Ramayana is filled with tears too, from starting to end. You will only cry. But that crying, if you cry reading Ramayana, then you, you are crying. The material world will not make you cry. So, these are final sentiments. You know, to appreciate them, we need to hear from devotees who, who love Lord Ram and Lord Sita, uh, Goddess Sita. I have not seen any devotee of Ram ever say that Ram is right. Everybody is upset. 
every devotee is upset but at the same time he says lord you are lord you know we love mother sita we love lord ram but what to do is that okay hare krishna Yes. You spoke earlier about how uh, John Bhavan wasn't uh, jealous that there's so many temples of Hanuman but none for, for him. Uh, so how do you question if you're allowed to ask or how do you question how, how could we be satisfied in our own particular situation and not be you know, comparing ourselves to other people's position or other people's opportunities? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> It's not easy, honestly. Uh, like when you're living in a community and lot of people around we we generally land up comparing ourselves to others so i'm sure uh, navin krishna prabhu can answer that better but i'll tell you from my ashram experience uh, <clears throat> you may like this story when i joined the ashram i was com- competing with many senior devotees <laughs> i was comparing you know, because i came from a very academic background i had done lot of degrees and till the age of 26 i was accumulating <coughs> degree you know <laughs> so then when i joined the ashram we saw monthly exams in the bhagavad gita and i wanted to top those exams <laughs> and i wanted to like come first and i'm memorizing verses and you know and even while taking bath you know like okay you know so this is because we saw exams on shlokas of the gita and the end of the exam the monthly the results would be out and i would say i got 98 and goran prabhu got 99 <laughs> 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 I lost to Gorang Prabhu. You know, I, I want to, I want to get the highest marks. I want to come first. So and then we would hear the Bhagavatam classes in the temple in the morning, and we would hear we should be servant of servant. <laughs> and we simply want to serve everyone. And I was going through this conflict because the devotee mood is you know, not to compare, just to serve, and just be a humble servant of everyone. But inside that passion was strong. So. we come from a very passionate background you know all of us are different background and we want to compete and compare so this conflict i was torn apart actually inside because devotees are humble no but then so then i what i did i went to gorang prabhu only i said prabhu i have this desire to come first in the exam and get more marks than you and i know this is wrong but what should i do so then he said something very interesting which i which has really helped me a lot He said, "You go to Raga Gopina, which is our main detail in the temple." He said, "You pray to them that you want to come first in the exams." I said, "Really? But that's against our Vaishnava mood." He said, "No, if that's your desire, then you give the example of Druva. Druva was very competitive. Druva Maharaj, he wanted a kingdom greater than his great grandfather. Right? His false ego. Driven by a false ego." So he said, "If Druva Maharaj can ask for a kingdom greater than his great grandfather, why can't you ask?" for a desire to get more marks and all of your other brahmachari friends but then like prabhu but it's not correct we are vaishnavas we have to be servant of servant and we should aspire others to get more than us and then say no no be honest ask for what you want be ambitious tell krishna i want to come first but end the prayer by saying with intense emotion that krishna i am a fool I don't know what I should be praying for. 
But right now, this is my desire. Next time when I come in front of you, please give me the intelligence to ask for the right thing. This was a game changer. This prayer. You know what I'm doing here? I'm being honest about my needs and my desires. At the same time, I'm confessing that I'm not intelligent. I'm a fool. And I want to improve. And I'm willing to learn and grow. And I saw over a period of time because of the purification of the... the now I'm not anxious to... <laughs> I'm happy whether the... <laughs> I found my own space. I found my own... Uh, that's a spiritual solution for this. But there are other things we could also do. That is, you know, we could meet devotees and find out what is our nature, what is our services, and be happy in that service. And once you are, once you once you find happiness in your service, then you are actually fulfilled. Your ego is satisfied. Then you are not insecure about others, whatever they are doing, because each one of us is carrying something very unique in Krishna consciousness. And if you focus more on that, then you never feel threatened by others. So, this is the way I cope with, I am coping in the ashram with the challenge of living with so many devotees from highly academic backgrounds. But 25 years have passed, now I'm, I feel I am in a safe place. But you see, you can't look for, you can't think, get an overnight, you know, it's a, a pill, you know, I just take a pill and I become free from competition and false ego. It doesn't happen like that, you have to go through purification, you know. You have to go through, you have to consciously pray and overcome those anathas and pray to Krishna. But we also need to find simultaneously something that will that is my unique service. <coughs> something that you can contribute to. Satyana Mara says, what is your unique fascination in bhakti and what is your unique contribution in bhakti? If we can find out that, then we will be peaceful. <coughs> Prabhu can correct me. I see around. Yeah. Um, I didn't speak about Anuman at all. Yeah, I, 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 I just wondering. Like, I, I don't even know why it's the logo. So maybe you can answer why it's the logo. But no, but then um, why is Hanuman the ideal servant? Is there like a couple of qualities that make him the ideal servant? Yeah, beautiful. Hanuman is like a never-ending topic. Ramayana is actually incomplete you know, without glorifying Hanuman. I remember in 2020, the Ram Nami festival, I gave a whole thought on Hanuman. And devotees are like, what is this? I said, Ram will be very happy if he glorifies <laughs> And then, after one week of Hanuman Jayanti, and I spoke on Ram crying in separation from Sita, <laughs> I said, today is Hanuman Jayanti, Hanuman will be very happy. So Hanumanji is considered as a, you know, uh, in, in Rupa Goswami, our main Acharya has told us the nine process of devotion service, Shravanam, Kirtanam. He has given an example for each of these nine. For Shravanam, the best example is Parikshit, for Kirtanam, Shukde Goswami, like that. And for Dasyam, being a servant of the Lord, he says it is Hanuman. Hanuman is the best example. Because he is always absorbed in giving pleasure to the Lord. What does the Lord want? He is, he is totally fixed in that mood. He had no personal desire, no personal ambition. And the best part was, he was a servant who had a lot of intelligence. He was a very intelligent servant. He was not a, you know, he was not simply, you know, you know, just doing what was told. He was doing extra. <laughs> he was simply asked to go and find out where Sita is and what he does. 
he burns the whole lanka and comes back <coughs> so one of the things i like the most about hanuman is you know when he's going to lanka is and before jumping all the monkey soldiers are little anxious will hanuman come back you know what is going to do and what's going to happen and there are a series of verses that hanuman tells all the vanaras i am the strongest i can uh, circumambulate the planet earth some 20000 times or something without break and he gives if you see that you think he's you know he's boasting about his prowess so when i was first time reading it i was like what is hanuman saying and he keeps saying all the things that he can do i'm going to do this i'm going to uh, uh, i'm going to pick up lanka and throw it in the ocean i have so much power that you know he just glorifies his own prowess and all the monkey soldiers are happy and they're cheering him and then he jumps to lanka and the best part is he's in lanka and mother sita and she you know that whole conversation happens he she meets him and then and then and she says and he, he wants to reassure her that lord ram will come and rescue you and at that time you know what he tells her he tells her actually in our entire ram's army i actually remember i i remember that verse now i'm not able to recall he says every soldier in ram's army is better than me every soldier is better than me and only the lowest one is sent as a messenger so look at what he is doing he is giving hope to the vanaras reassuring them that don't worry i'll go and do the job and when is it mother sita he is reassuring her and giving her hope that if i have come and created such a massive destruction imagine what the other vanaras will do and then he starts giving a list of he starts glorifying all his friends in the ram's army so that mother sita says wow is this one anuman can do so much so that's how he is is expert in giving hope to devotees so he is an intelligent servant it's not a question of what is right you know very very intent to boast he boasted about his uh, or he he told about his prowess and there is another section in the yudhakand very interesting section in that fight there was a crazy fight happening and then at one point of time hanuman was face to face with ravan and ravan was shooting arrows and hanuman was warding them off and then hanuman lost patience and he jumped on ravana's chariot and he punched ravana so hard on the face that ravana fell on his chariot and he was completely taken aback and then ravana got up and says oh you were really strong you know compl- like you know in kshatriya they have this nature of complimenting each other so he you are really strong i congratulate you i am really impressed Anuman says, "What is the use? I didn't kill you. I should have killed you." <laughs> <laughs> and then he says, "But I leave it for my Lord." And then Ravana goes, Anuman goes somewhere else. So, <clears throat> so that's another amazing quality. And when he had to get those medicines for Lakshman's uh, to cure Lakshman, he is like, he's not sure which is which is that medicine herb. So he gets a whole peak, <laughs> whole mountain peak. He gets it. So like this, Anuman is an amazing, amazing personality. And the way he jumps to Lanka, that itself is. superb description you know all the different obstacles he faces all the different people he encounters and the best i like is the last obstacle just when he's entering lanka there is this the guardian of lanka guardian of lanka lankini she's standing at the gate and she says oh monkey how okay, can you can't go you know you have to pass through me you can't just anybody can't enter she's like the immigration officer there <laughs> so hanuman now before this hanuman was very respectful to amenaka and uh, surasa 
But Hanuman, I don't know what expertise he had. He punched her so hard that she fell right in front of him and offered full dandar. And then she... And then, and then he, he walks in and then Lankini gets up and she says, you know, Brahmaji, I predicted that one day a monkey will come and defeat me and then that's will be the end of Lanka. So when Hanuman enters, he's so intelligent. He assumes a tiny form. And he starts seeing Lanka. The whole description of Lanka is given. He enters in the evening. He actually reaches Lanka by afternoon. But in the evening, he is just waiting at the gate because he wants to enter only when it is completely dark. So at sunset, he enters Lanka and he sees that the, all the roads, just like we have, you know, in, in modern times, we have the roads, on the side of the roads, we have lights, street lights. In Lanka, all the street lights were of gems and pearls. So those were shining up the streets. <coughs> So he's seeing all these streets and he walks into the, the, his walking is described in Nanka where you know, there is one section where all the military soldiers are mm, you know doing parade and somewhere there is music going on. So he's studying the whole city of Lanka and suddenly at one point of time he sees normal normal Rakshasas walking and Vamikraman describes Hanuman immediately understood they are not normal. They are not normal Rakshasas just walking. Hanuman hid behind a tree because he knew that they are they are Ravana's spies. Because Hanuman himself was a spy. See, uh, you know this. What is this called? This counterintelligence experts. They know how another spy is. So Hanuman knew that they are also spies. So he he hides for them to pass. So like that, Hanuman was very intelligent in his service. So this is the description given in the Ramayana. Plus uh, many, I don't know how much you can. This is enough for each demon he confronts is another is a story in itself, you know. So why is Hanuman a lighter? Hanuman is what? No, no, that's it's okay. It's just a short one. <laughs> I, no, no, no. Pandu, so Pandusena, Ami the Pandavas, Hanuman's on Arjun's flag. Makes sense, no? <laughs> Also, Hanuman, amazing quality is, you know, in Ramayana, he was the hero. He was the main hero in Ramayana. He was like, fighting of all demons, killing Rakshasas. But the same Hanuman in Mahabharata, mm-hmm. he's simply on the flag and he's just cheering. Are you old? It's like, you know, in cricket, you're a man of the match in one match and next match you're the twelfth man, you know. You're simply sitting in the bench and you're cheering your team. <coughs> so Hanuman was happy to do that service whatever was needed. And Srila Prabhupada gives a very good example of Hanuman. He says, Lord Ram had to walk through the ocean to reach Lanka. And Hanuman jumped. So then Prabhupada says, if Lord wants, Lord empowers his servant to do more than himself. So Ram had to walk, but Hanuman did. Then Prabhupada, because the Prabhupada said this in the context when a devotee said that, if Chaitanya Mahaprabhu wanted, he could have spread the holy name all over the world. Why did he do it? So then Srila Prabhupada said, because he is Chaitanya Mahaprabhu wanted me to get the credit. 
Because the Lord loves to see his devotees get glorified more. <coughs> Lord can do anything. So, but he makes his devotees get credit. So Anuman did what Lord Ram could not. And another amazing thing about Anuman, I should tell this. He was serving, he was serving whom? Ram, of course, Ram is a devotee of Ram. But whom was he serving? Sukriva. And you know, Sukriva was way, way inferior to Anuman. In terms of maturity, character, logic, think, logical thinking. Now what happened? Uh, Hanuman was, Hanuman studied from Suryadev, all the skills. Then Suryadev said, Guru Dakshin, you want to give me Guru Dakshina? You please take care of my son, Sukriva. So he remained loyal to Sukriva and Sukriva was, it became so licentious at one time, you know, he just lost the clarity of thought. But Hanuman was not a psychophant follower. He was telling Sukriva that, you know, four months are over, you should, you should help Lord Ram and all that. But he did not leave. See, generally, we want to be servant of somebody who is superior to us. We will not serve someone who is inferior to us because we want mercy. We want, you know, we want to. We want to serve somebody who is better than us. But Hanuman was. It required a lot of humility to to do this. <laughs> so I, I, this is one very amazing quality of Hanuman. I found very interesting. That is the servant of Sugriva and is happy. You could easily see so many faults in Sukriva. Sukriva embodies the Kishkinda culture. You know, the entire Ramayana is based on three cultures. Ayodhya culture, Kishkinda culture and Lanka culture. Ayodhya culture is called Sanskriti or culture. And uh, Lanka is called Vikriti. Vikriti is opposite of culture. I don't know what is the word. Vikriti is complete distortion of values, culture. And Kishkinda is Prakriti, nature. Nature controls you. Sometimes you slip, sometimes you struggle. So Ramayana is all about being connected to the Ayodhya culture, not the Lanka culture. And Kishkinda is um, where Sugriva was there, is a place where people like Sugriva and Bali, they could get confused and they could lower their standards and they could slip. But they need to come back. But they are sincere. So they come back. So Griva comes back. And he positions himself in service. So, and so therefore, uh, we, and Sukriva was in uh, Kishkinda. And he was not as competent at all compared to Hanuman. I think this is another amazing quality of Hanuman. Yes, Good, good, you ask this question. Ramayana is based on, see, whenever you are studying any scripture, no, we should have, it's good. It's nice. We spoke about Suradev, no? We spoke about Sangha. So, see, whenever you study scriptures, Vedic culture is that we always give cross-reference to other scriptures. So, uh, so what happened, this is interesting. Uh, if you read Ramayana, at the end of the war, Ram tells uh, Hanuman that now Ravana is killed. Go and inform Sita. So
So Hanuman jumps and he goes and gives his good news to Mother Sita and he says, Mother Sita, now all the demons are killed. And then he looks at all the other women rakshasis there. He's, his hands are itching. So he says, shall I finish them off? <laughs> so then Sita says, why? No, they have troubled you, they have harassed you so much. But then Sita says, no. Don't, you know, she said a very nice story about, she says, how we should live. She says, our life should be based on forgiveness. And there Sita gives a story of one man who was chased by a lion. And that man climbed a tree for help. And one bear gave him shelter, was residing on top of the tree. She gave, that bear gave shelter to the man. And the lion told the bear that he is my food. Why don't you throw him down? I will eat him. So the bear said, no, he is my guest. I have to be hospitable to him. And then the lion said, I will wait for this man to come down. And the man remained on the branch of the tree and the bear went to sleep. When the bear went to sleep, the lion told the man that, see, my need is food. And, you know, you're not going to, the bear is not going to throw you down. Why don't you push the bear down? So that I get my food and I leave. So the man thought it's a good idea. So he went and pushed the bear. But as the bear was falling, he woke up and he held on to the branch and he survived. And then the lion told the bear, see, he's so ungrateful. He pushed you, gave him shelter and he pushed you. So you throw him down. I'll eat him and then I'll go. And the bear said, he may have done what he wanted to do, but I won't do that. Because he's still my guest. <coughs> so Sita narrates this story to Hanuman, saying that we shouldn't uh, kill the Rakshasis because they're simply following the order of uh, Ravana. So then Hanuman gives his good news to Sita. He comes back to Ram and then he says, Mother Sita is on her way. And then Ram tells Vibhishan, go and tell Sita to get dressed in royal robes of a princess and let her come here. So then Vibhishan goes there and he gets all this jewelry, ornaments and beautiful, you know, dress. And Sita says, I don't need all of this. You know, I just want to meet my husband. And I'm sure he also doesn't need all of this. He just wants to meet me. Vibhishan says, no, he's insisting that you should be royally dressed and, you know, decorated with all the jewelry. So to please her husband, she dresses herself nicely and then she comes in the palanquin. And as she's coming, all the Vanivas, the monkey soldiers, they all fight because they want to take Darshan of Mother Sita. And there's a big commotion and, and then, you know, Hanuman, Sugriva, they're all pushing other monkeys, they're beating them, you know, driving them. And then Ram says, stop, don't beat this Vanivas. They fought a big war just for uh, Mother Sita. So they want to know who is this person. So let them take Darshan of Sita. So then all the monkeys also take Darshan and then Mother Sita comes. <coughs> as soon as she comes out of the palanquin, then Ram, suddenly Ram's voice changes. He becomes extremely grave. He says, now I have protected you. I have done my dharma. Now you are free to go where you want to go. And everyone is shocked. That's when Lakshman resolves that you know, next life I'm going to come with the older brother. <laughs> so everyone is shocked. But you know what Sita does? Sita knows she's very intelligent. She invokes the Lord of Fire, Agnidev, and Agnidev appears, and Agnidev offers Sita, he hold, he's holding Sita in his hands and he's offering Agni is considered purifying element in Vedic culture. <coughs> for purification, fire is considered which purifies. Even gold, it is put in fire. So Agni Dev offers Sita and says to Ram that she is pure and chaste 
like fire please accept her and then ram accepts mother sita so rama ends there but now as i said cross reference is very important so the same passage is mentioned in kurma purana now rama also mentions now we are not spoken about ravana we should have one whole class on ravana my god it's amazing how all the curses he accumulated in his life he, he accumulated lot of curses today morning we were doing an exercise to accumulate blessings you know either you, you accumulate blessings or you accumulate curses in life so ravana one of the curses he accumulated was when he was flying high in his plane pushpak viman he saw this is what kurma purana explains and also ramayana explains and i'll tell you the additional point that kurma purana explains little later so ramayana explains how when he was flying high in the himalayas he saw one lady doing penance in himalayas and he said oh she looks very beautiful so he landed he came down and he went closer and he saw he saw that it was an ascetic woman who was sitting in a meditative pose and she was chanting lord vishnu's name so he said oh beautiful woman who are you and he starts telling her that you are alone in this forest you will be good company for me and i can fulfill all your desires and he comes closer to her and she says i am devoted and chaste to lord vishnu so then ravana disregarding her appeal he grabs her hair as soon as he touches her hair this lady she introduces herself as vedavati and she said i am doing penance to get lord vishnu's husband so as soon as lord as soon as ravana touches her hair she is so furious she takes her right hand and she hits that you know that she is holding the is holding her hair so when he hits her own hair and she hits her own hair ravana is left with a bunch of hair in his hand and the hair is cut and then vedavati looks at ravana with angry eyes and she says you touched me so i am going to come back and destroy you and there right there she invokes fire and she is i'm entering fire and i'll come back to kill you and she then the fire takes her and uh, ravana is very impetuous very arrogant so he disregards and he continues his journey then he goes to kailash and there's another story of how he meets nandi <clears throat> and nandi curses him that all monkeys will come and harass you and all of these accumulating lot of curses so meanwhile vedas so the kurma purana now explains that at panchavati before shurpanka entered the day before shurpanka came to meet ram lord ram called upon agnidev and told agnidev that please keep my sita safely and then lord agnidev offered him vedavati who would now who wanted a revenge who wanted to come back and kill destroy ravana he wanted she she had that she was nursing her anger so vedavati came in her place <clears throat> so then in the final after the yuddha kanda the war happened so that when mother sita cast her fire it was basically vedavati going back to agnidev and then mother sita returning back and then the kurupuran explains vedavati went back to agnidev she had her desires fulfilled and but she wanted lord ram as her husband she wanted vishnu as her husband so next life she comes as padmavati i don't know how many of you have been to tirupati tirupati is a very famous ancient devotional place so there's a <coughs> long story of tirupati balaji how he gets married to padmavati that padmavati is vedavati who the kurupuran explains this so like this so this is the cross reference that's why ram uh, राम 
Is that okay? I saw somebody here. about the Lord's Leela generally so we understand that it's it's his beautiful stories to attract different souls back to him and that for himself he's he's covered by yoga maya in, in order to enjoy uh, these different pastimes but it's just a bit confusing when you when you say stories like this where Lord Ram knows it's not really Sita and yet laments like a madman. That's why I didn't say that in the, in the whole... Uh, did, did I say that in the class? How <laughs> <laughs> no, because it is question answers, I had to say that. Because, because it, you know, it's, it removes the rasa from it. <laughs> it's like intellectually... It's just for satisfying the intellectual curiosity. Okay. We don't really say that in the... We don't quote Korma Quran in, uh, in our classes. Just enjoy the Leela, you know? <laughs> But then when you start intellectually approaching the scriptures, then we have to also give intellectual answers. So like for later on when Lakshman is struck down, like to understand that the Lord of the universe is struck down and, and, and suffering. So can you just explain a little bit about yoga mind, how that, how, how that, See, that okay. covering works? Okay, covering works how, you know? See, the Lord loves to relish pastimes, okay? Yeah. And he loves to relish it to his devotees. Mm -hmm. And Rupa Goswami explains this very scientifically. He has his own logic. Just see if this logic makes sense to you. He says the logic of Lord crying you know, for his devotees and all of this. He says it is like he says it is like a bumblebee which wants nectar. And the bumblebee goes to a lotus flower and it knows that the lotus flower has a lot of nectar. And as he is tasting the nectar from that lotus flower the lotus petals close mm -hmm. and the bumblebee can easily you know the, the verse says the bumblebee has so much power that if it wants it can penetrate hardwood but when it is busy tasting nectar from the lotus flower the bumblebee is happy to be covered by the petals, soft petals of a lotus flower. It doesn't make sense. If it wants, it can penetrate hardwood. But there is so much nectar in that lotus flower that it doesn't mind the petals closing. So it's completely covered. So then Rupa Goswami says, devotees, uh, rasa, the love that devotees have for the Lord, so their heart is like the nectar, you know, the, 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 the lotus flower. And the love they have is like the nectar in a lotus flower. Okay. So now, Lord Ram is like a bumblebee. So when he, he is desperate to get that taste, that nectar in the heart of the devotees, how much they love me. And when he comes there, and the petals are compared to the knowledge of his potency, that, you know, I am the Supreme Lord. So that knowledge, the Lord's knowledge potency is totally covered. I mean, if he wants, he can just break break it. He is a Supreme Lord, but he is relishing so much nectar there that he prefers to be covered by his own knowledge. I don't Okay, I am not God. It's okay. <laughs> I just, he's just relishing that love with this devotee, Sita and Lakshmi and all that, Hanuman. So he's just happy. So that is the rasa, Rupa Goswami says.
Yeah, in India we have many uh, many Ravana bhaktas. Uh, we have a whole movement there, an iconoclastic group. They say Ravana is a great devotee. Before dying, Ram told Lakshman, "Go and take wisdom from Ravana." So Ravana gave instructions to Lakshmana. All concoctions. There is one girl who told me in one college program, Ravana. Ravana is very good, you know. He fought for his sister. He, you know he. <laughs> You know, he wanted to defend his sister's honor. So. <coughs> See, Ravana embodies lust. Simple. Did Ravana really love Sita? Sometimes people say he didn't molest her, he didn't do anything wrong with her, he just brought her. And in fact, the Yuddha Khan begins where uh, uh, Mahaparshwa, Ravana's trusted uh, lieutenant, he tells Ravana that why are you so uh, you know, why are you making such a big big deal of this Ram? You know, we will finish our Ram. You just go and enjoy this Sita. What is forcing you? He actually, the verse says you molest her. Mahapashwa is suggesting to Ravana that you molest Sita. And Ravana says, I would have loved to do that. But I have been cursed. So what happened once he went to the heavenly planets? There, Punjikastari. So she was Kubera's son's uh, girlfriend. I mean, wife. <laughs> So basically she was the daughter-in-law of Kubera and Kubera is Ravana's brother. So when Ravana tries to molest her, she says, I am your daughter. I am your daughter. You know, like your brother is my father-in-law. So I am your daughter. So Ravana just, you know, he just molests her and she's shocked. And then Brahmaji comes to know this. Brahmaji says, you are just, you know, you are just defying you know, all the ethics. So Brahmaji gets very angry. He says, I curse you. Anytime you force yourself on a woman, that very instant he will die. You know? But Ravana was disregarding all the curses he got from Vedavati, from Nandi, from Parvati. So many people cursed him. But when Brahmaji said this, he was a little shaken. He, he said, oh, this may work, this may work, this curse may work. So that's why he didn't, after that he didn't force, force himself upon anyone. Because uh, he was so charming that the women would automatically agree to be with him. But he loves, but when people say that he loved Sita and because he didn't molest her, this is the argument I give. And then some people say, but he loved Sita, what is wrong in loving? So then I say, well, if you love Sita, if you love someone, if you really love someone, you should be giving that person what the person wants. He loves Sita so much that when Sita refuses him, he says, I love you so, the whole section where he says, I love you so much, please accept me. And when she just curses, gets angry with him, he says, if you don't agree to my proposal, I will eat you for breakfast. <laughs> what is this love? I mean, you love someone, you eat that person? <laughs> is that love? That's like, love. Huh? There's a spider that's crawling everywhere. He just picked it up. <laughs> that's love. <laughs> yeah. Ram can note that Give him 
in bombay there was a man who loved the girls a very famous one of famous story, a very tragic story so there was one girl who was a very beautiful girl in the college and she was quite famous she was a model but this she kept refusing the advances of this boy who kept claiming that he really really loves her and when she finally refused him you know what he did <laughs> okay guys this is a spider Spider-Man, Spider-Man. He's got that. He's got that. So, Ravana's love is like this young man in Mumbai who loved this, loved this girl so much that when she refused his advances, you know what he did? He threw acid on her face and completely disfigured her. Because his idea was, if you are not mine, then you don't belong to anyone else. So if Ravana, he says he claims he loves Sita, then he wants to kill her and eat her for breakfast. What is? This is not love. Shurpanka says I love Ram, and then she wants him to be killed so that she can eat his flesh. This is not love. This is lust. So Ravana. And why people love him, I don't know. This is why people want to be different. Like, <laughs> Ravana is great, and you know, we love. You can't, you can't say anything to such people. And they present him as a great scholar, and he's giving. And there's a one, there's one whole story of Ravana, Ram, and Sita doing the uh, worshiping Lord Shiva together at Dhanushkoti uh, or somewhere. It's crazy. There are paintings of that. I, my blood boils when I hear all this. This is all construction, and that's how Hindu culture is getting destroyed. Because in the name of liberty, you know, like I'll tell you, I have to tell you this story. When I was a young, I grew up in a small village town in India. My grandfather, grandparents were priests. My grandfather was a priest in the temple. The first ten years of my life, I only took prasad, and I was only in the temple watching dramas every evening. A very simple, no television. This is 1970s. I'm talking about, and then. And, I, and after that, my father said, "Okay, you should not be in a village because you know you just you in the temple. You may join the temple. We literally didn't know that." <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, so he brought me to the city because my father was in very big, important government service. He was in the you know, Indian administrative service, which is like a very good service. So and and directly from a village where I'm seeing Rama and Rama every evening and in the temple premises. I'm a nine-year-old boy, ten-year-old boy who's only in the temple premises. Who knows Rama and Mahabharat? That's his entertainment. And then I'm picked from there, and I come to this posh South Bombay locality where my father is in service, and I had not even seen an elevator lift anywhere. So when I first time I entered a lift, I was like, "What is this?" And then I I stay in this colony where you know there is a party, there is a program, there's some parties. I I'm a ten year old boy. I'm sitting in the front, and they do a spoof on Ramayan. And I'm a ten-year-old boy, and I was told it's Rama and Rama. So I'm coming from a village background, and I just moved into Bombay, and I'm sitting right at the front, and I'm shocked to see Ram, Lakshman. They're all in you know trousers, t-shirt, and they're all cracking jokes. Some of them are revered, you know, very dirty. But I couldn't understand because I was a young boy. And I stopped back. I looked at my father. My father was seething with anger. And then at one point of time, I remember this dialogue very well. That you know, Ram and Lakshman are standing, and the Jatayu. Somebody was Jatayu, and he's like, "Oh, I can't recall. This is the only dialogue I remember. I rest everything I've forgotten." And Lakshman is saying, "Come on, tell me where is Sita?" And he's like, "I can't remember." 
and Ram is holding his neck and he's like, come on, tell me where is Sita? He says, I can't remember. And then Lakshman looks at Ram and says, I think Ram, we should give him a 500 rupee note. You know, you bribe him. And then uh, he bribes him. And then Jedi says, I can remember just a little bit. And then he gives him 500 rupees more. You know, those kind of, that kind of, and I'm like confused. And people are laughing and I'm like totally confused. I didn't know what is happening. And then, of course, my father made an issue of it and all of that. But then, I'm just giving an example of how you move from a traditional background and you come and where this thing is normal, this is glorified. You know? Why are you so conservative? Why? Just come on, it's a drama. But they'll never dare to do that with other religions and other paths. <coughs> so, it's fashionable now to glorify Ravan. So, what to do? Can't say anything. Yes, I see one hand here. What should I do? You take up. Okay, she's pointing there because she's pointing there. Yes. Could you tell us a little bit more about your village life in Hamburg, community kind of, you know, how it functions with, you know, what kind of you guys, you know, come together and watch your plays and what buying or. So, so basically, village life is, you know, in India, even now there are some villages like that. The center is the temple. For the village temple is the center. So we had a Urupi Krishna temple, which is Madhacharya had founded in the Sampradaya. My grandfather was a priest in the temple. So we are from that lineage of Madhvacharya. You know Madhvacharya? Painting, he's sitting like this. He's talking about the Dvaita philosophy. <coughs> so we used to have that Madhvacharya's uh, photograph in our house. So the temple is the center. So my grandfather was a priest. So early morning he would go to the temple, he would do his duties, and I would go to a school nearby. And in the afternoon I would go to the temple and take prasadam with everyone else. And then, the, and then after that I would go home after the school. And the evening we would all come to the temple and there would be a drama festival. So basically the temple was the center of the village. Many of us did not have a lot of income, but there was no shortage of... We never had scarcity. Because individuals possessed little, but because the life was centered around Krishna or temple, people were content. When Hugh Sang was a Chinese traveler who came to India during the 5th century, and even Fahim, he was also one of the travelers who came, I think, 3rd century. When they came to India, they saw this culture everywhere in India, where <coughs> life is centered on temple, and anybody would get prasadam. And, uh, and people lived a simple life. And that's, I remember once, uh, one of the, my grandfather came home, you know, he was in a lot of, very intense. So, and he called me and my grandma and he said, you know what happened today? One man who came to the temple, one of, one of the pujaris in the temple, he cheated that man. He said, you know, I, something he said and then he took away a lot of his money or something. So this man went and complained to the sannyasi. The sannyasi was the main uh, worshipper of Krishna. <clears throat> he told him, so the sannyasi called for that uh, pujari who cheated him and he banished him from the village. So that man had to pack his bags and his family had to leave the village in two hours. So that was the power of, you know, uh, pure renounce order and mm. temple being the center and all of that. So I grew up in that culture. So, yeah, that is, that's the way it was. And this, but of course, after coming to Iskwan, I understood the philosophy. Because when I was a child, I used to see Madhacharya's painting like this. And now in Iskwan, I understood he's a parampara guru. And you know, when I was a kid, you know, children, as a child, I don't know how children are, all the children, but I was very fond of eating. Non-stop, anything, I would just keep eating, you know. I wanted food all the time. So my grandmother would always tell me, see, we are Madhacharya's followers. 
He's always telling us that we should eat only two times a day. <laughs> <laughs> so I always thought, always thought Madhacharya's philosophy was we should eat only two times a day. And then I come to Iskon and I understand this means the soul and God are never one. You know, <laughs> so I'm just saying how Shila Prabhupada is the one who actually saved us. You know, there are many cultures, many traditions, they have been maintained, that is very good, but they are not able to protect the modern generation because they don't they're not able to give knowledge. They're only giving uh, rituals and tradition, which is good, which has its own value. But Srila Prabhupada has given us the sword of knowledge. It's a big thing. 
So Mahaprabhu is taking darshan and this lady is standing on top of him and, and she is shouting, Jagannath, Jagannath and she is going crazy. And it's completely breaking of etiquette. What she had done was completely unjustified. Now, before we go ahead in this pastime, I'm just saying, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is, what is his consciousness at that point of time? The Chaitanya Tathamra describes that Ekadina Mahaprabhu Koriya Chayam Krishna Rasa Lila Kore Dekila He is only getting dreams of Rasa Lila. No, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, <coughs> amazing, huh? Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's mood is, in a, when, we, when we sleep, what dreams do we get? And Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's dreams are, you know, Rasa Lila is happening. <coughs> and then what is he seeing in that Rasa Lila? Just imagine, this is the dream of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Tribanda Sundara Deha Murali Vadan Pitambara Vanamala Madana Mohan He's seeing Krishna in threefold bending form, playing flute, Garland. This is what he's seeing. He's seeing Krishna everywhere. He's seeing Krishna in Vrindavan. He's like Vrindavan conscious. He's like Krishna conscious. For him, everywhere it is Krishna, Vrindavan, Vrindavan. And suddenly, as he's seeing Jagannath, this lady climbs on his shoulder. And Mahaprabhu's servant Govinda is aghast. What is this lady doing? So he grabs that lady and pulls her down. And he says, You stupid woman, don't you understand this Chaitanya Mahaprabhu Sanyasi? What are you doing? And this lady was, she was a good woman. It's just that she was excited. So when she realizes what she had done, you know, she, she comes back to her senses. Oh, she says, sorry, sorry. And she offers, she goes back and she offers obeisances to Lord Chaitanya. And she says, I'm very sorry. And she understands what the gravity of what she had done. And she, done, she goes away. <coughs> and remember what I told you, what is Lord Chaitanya's consciousness? What, is he, what mood he is in? He is only seeing Krishna in his dreams. He is like only Krishna. Everywhere it is Krishna for him. But when Govinda admonishes this woman, you know what Lord Chaitanya tells Govinda? He says, Tara Arti Deki Prabhu Kohite La Gila Eta Arti Jagannatha Morena Hidila Mahaprabhu says, You low class uncultured man. <laughs> <coughs> Actually, the lady had behaved in an uncultured way. But Lord Chaitanya scolds his servant that you are a low-class uncultured man because did you see? Tara Arti Deki Prabhu. Did you see her eagerness? Eta Arti Jagannatha. Morena Nidila. This kind of eagerness Jagannatha has not given me. So immediately Mahaprabhu is able to see that her enthusiasm is better than his. And then Mahaprabhu says, uh, Shiva, Jagannatha Vishtayar Tanumana Prane, Moraskanda Padadiyache, Tato Nahija, and Mahabharata. You know why she climbed on the shoulder? Do you know this? This is because she was top to bottom filled with Jagannatha. He says, She was Jagannathized. Jagannatha Vishtayar Tanumana Prane, all her body, everything was Jagannath. So that's why she didn't realize that she was climbing on my shoulder. So now my prayer to Jagannath is that Aho Bhagavati Vandi Arpai Yara Prasada Oiche Arti Amarvahai Mahaprabhu says, My prayer is, Oh Jagannath, she is Bhagavati. She is the most fortunate soul. I offer my respectful obeisance so that unto her lotus feet, and if I get her mercy, 
I will also develop attachment to Jagannath. Now, nobody has ever experienced ecstasy for Krishna in the history of mankind like Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Nobody in future will ever experience ecstasy for Krishna like Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And this person is saying that this unknown, insignificant woman from a village in Orissa is much, much more advanced than him. <coughs> Why? Because she had a eagerness to take darshan of Jagannath. So if you see some devotees are that eager, you should encourage them. That is healthy. But if I am getting so enthusiastic to take darshan, but in that process I am disregarding other devotees, then we should be... <coughs> we should know that the Lord will not be pleased by that. Like that. Is that okay? Yes. Prabhu, could you uh, shed some light on the meaning and maybe the etymology of the word or the name Ram? Because I believe it's like split into Ra and Ma. I know Ram is pleasure. Yeah. Oh, thank you. <coughs> I know Ram means pleasure. So, so Ram, Iti Rama, Abeda, Abedanasu. What is that verse? Ramante Yogi no Nante Satyananda Chatatni, Iti Rama Pade Nasu. So, the verse says that Ram is the source of all pleasure. And Krishna is all attractive. So, when we are chanting the holy names, we are calling upon the Lord, the source of all happiness, and is all attractive. The further breakup of Ra and Ma, I don't know. Okay, just to follow up on that, is there a link between Ram and then Balaram and Nityananda Ram like that? I don't know. Why is <laughs> Nityananda Ram? Nityananda, see Nityananda Ram is because Lord Nityananda is the source of all happiness. Nitya Ananda is always blissful. So that's why Nitya Ananda is the original Guru and he gives us all happiness. But I never analyze so much. Nityananda, Ram and Ram and Rama. And, and in the Maha Mantra, the last question, because that's a bit of a, this thing, is the Ram addressing Balaram or Lord Ramachandra or both or the non-difference? That Ram is addressing Lord Ram and Lord Krishna. Okay. Because another name of Krishna is Ram. Hmm. He's also the source of happiness. So, and Lord Ram is same as Krishna. So the Mahamantra Ram is addressing Lord Krishna only and Lord Ram. For more details, you can contact Google Baba. You know, you give you all the answers. I am not so aware of. I am not technically less knowledge.
So you're asking uh, what is the ideal balance for students? <coughs> One is we need some guidance, preferably guru, if not guru, somebody whom we trust, who is our very wisher, who can tell us that, you know, this much austerity is enough for you. You don't have to really do too much. Somebody to guide us, that is one. <coughs> Second, our austerity should be designed in such a way that it keeps us awake and attentive and fresh for hearing and chanting. So I know some devotees who sleep very early, I know some devotees who compromise certain things, <coughs> but they will not compromise hearing and chanting. So that austerity is very good. Like I know one devotee <coughs> during festivals, from morning 5 o'clock Mangalarti till night 9 o'clock in the temple hall. Just chanting, hearing, exactly. That's possibility. So that is healthy. And also my understanding for such questions is many, these, many of these things uh, we learn through trial and error. When we are young, we don't realize, we just push ourselves. When I was younger, I would stay awake all night, like, you know, many of these young boys are doing. And then I also talk about Mangalarati. But now I can't do that. So through time and error, you learn. And if you want to sustain, then you need to sleep early. Bhagavad Gita says, Yuktahara, Viharasya, balance in eating, sleeping, recreation. The criteria should be, is this austerity helping you hear and chant? You understand? So, it's not, you know, the whole test, that, that is a test. Are you able to hear and chant better? If your austerity, like for example, let's say you eat once a day. I know one day you would eat once in two days. During Chaturmas. You know? But during chanting, you would be like lying on the bed and chanting. And you would not attend any Bhagavatam class. So, you did intense austerities. But I was like, you could have eaten Three times a day, prasad and you know, chanted with devotees. Because our process is all about hearing and chanting the Lord's names. Our process is not to become a jnani or to become a yogi. And in our process, the best way to get love of Krishna is hearing and chanting and service, of course. <coughs> so you please ask yourself when you are performing austerities, will this improve my hearing and chanting? And uh, Ramayana, hey, this is very good, you ask this question. In, in Sundarakan, no, in Aranyakan, no, Kishkindakan. Kishkindakan is where Hanuma, Ram and Rashman meet Sugriva. They make friendship. Now, do you know something? Before meeting Sugriva, where did Ram and Rashman go? Whom they met? One very famous devotee. You know this Shabari? This is an amazing pastime in Valmiki Ramayana. Shabari's ashram, she was a disciple of Matanga Rishi. Matanga Rishi told her, just keep remembering Lord Ram, Lord Ram will come to you one day. So she stayed in that ashram doing austerities for years. So Ram and Dashan are going to Matanga Rishi's ashram. And as they are walking, they see beautiful, there are three chapters only describing the trees, the different trees that they see. And you know, all of that descriptions are there in Ramayana. And finally, when they come near the ashram, Lakshman is shocked. He says, My dear brother, do you see 
there are so many beautiful blossoming flowers here and fragrant flowers and they seem to have never wilted away they seem to be eternal and shabari confirms this that these flowers have been fresh for thousands of years so lakshman is wondering how can that happen what is the logic how does, what what science technology is this so lord ram says that when markanda rishi was here all all his disciples would do lot of seva so when they would do seva in the you know they would go to the forest to get wood and all of that and when they would come back they would be sweating and when their perspiration would the drops would fall on the ground as soon as it fell it would transform to a beautiful flower and that flower remained forever and then when i was reading that i felt you know shrila propas books and the process he has given us especially his books and his audio tapes they are like his perspiration drops and they remain eternally fresh and they are so nourishing so if you can spend every day some quality time hearing and chanting in a state of alertness and whatever you do for achieving that that is an austerity that means if you have to eat prasad twice a day eat that you know but see that your hearing and chanting is healthy otherwise what is the point of performing so many austerities and i know some gujaratis in mumbai one gujarati boy was coming from my class as soon as he started coming from my class he was very excited by our principle of four regulative principles and especially no drinking tea coffee no onion garlic and he became a pakka devotee and he was telling me you know prabhu and he strictly followed all those things and then one day he comes to me and says prabhu my office is sending me to paris france for a trip and you know during those days in india in this 2002 2003 was a big deal if somebody went to europe or america even today it's a big deal <clears throat> so he was very excited and it was a big send off for him and he said prabhu i don't know what i'll get to act stay one month in paris and you know i'm and he's pakka you know pakka devotee now and you know i what will i get to eat so i pick up from a pakka gujarati family he had one small bag of clothes but one huge suitcase filled with snacks <laughs> so much food he was carrying and that was an amazing farewell for him as if he's going on a big thing and after one month he comes back and then he met he came to the temple to meet me and i asked him how was the one month he said oh, it was great but lot of austerity but i didn't compromise i followed all the rules strictly and then he started explaining how you know he didn't have anything to eat so he would get only rice and curd in the hotel and then he would eat these snacks and then how he was tempted and how he resisted all of those things you know how he didn't eat anything but strictly followed and i heard him for a long time <laughs> and in the end i asked him so how is your you know chanting and all going you know and i realized he had not chanted at all in this one month <laughs> he hadn't chanted even one wrong <laughs> so I, i said you could have eaten something you know <laughs> you could have eaten something in the hotel you were so you were so eating conscious our process is hearing and chanting and i'm not saying you should eat anything with that but i'm just saying what is the trade off what did you sacrifice for what so please don't compromise on hearing chanting and i know one devotee who likes to take good 8 hours of rest before he gets to hear bhagavatam class the next day so i encourage him at least he is there for the class he is attentive 
that okay? I see two hands of the finished one. Vishnu, should I say? Vishnu, Drishti. I can always catch him later. we actually go to Krishna. <coughs> we offer our anarthas to Krishna for healing. Because uh, advancement in bhakti is not achieved, it is received. So, <coughs> we can't actually control our senses at the end of the day. So, we offer them to Krishna. Krishna, <coughs> please help me. That is one. Second, we again have shelter of devotees to whom we can reveal our hearts. And one last thing I would say is <coughs> we also need to make peace with our anathas. You know, <coughs> like if there is something you can't change about yourself, then it may not be it may not be something that needs to be changed. It may be, it may be a truth that needs to be accepted. You may need to you may need to position yourself in a situation where you are peaceful. Like when young boys, you know, when they join our temple or they struggle with their anarthas, or you know, we, we encourage them to situate in a situation where their desires can be fulfilled in a healthy way. I remember one boy, you know, he came and said, Prabhu, I have a lot of lust in my heart. I said, you go, to, go in front of Krishna and say, thank you, Krishna, for this. He said, what? I said, you, you, you are, uh, there's these lusty desires, so you are, you are a gay or you're straight. So he said, I'm straight, I, I, I have attraction for the opposite sex. So I said, you should go and thank Krishna, that Krishna, thank you for giving me this desire, I want to now improve. So he got confused. He said, what do you mean? So I said, see, because you wanted, you, want, you wanted to eventually overcome all these anarthas and become a brahmachari. So I just told him that your anarthas, if, imagine you didn't, imagine if you had a different desire. Let's say you had a desire for having a conjugal relationship with a man. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not denouncing you for that. I'm just saying 
will you be able to get married your parents you can't get married to a, because at that time in india you know we had a different situation now it is legal but at that time so you can't get married and you can't join the ashram also how frustrated you would be so you can thank krishna that is put you in a situation where you, you can at least you can make the best use of a bad bargain you can get properly married you can get settled you can be normal so what i'm trying to say is in every possible scenario that is you can turn to krishna there is hope so whatever anarthas are troubling you can always go to krishna and say krishna thank you but i don't want this <laughs> you know because krishna has a plan for you and sometimes we make we focus so much on our anarthas we focus so much on what we don't want you know what is the nature of the mind if you keep saying i don't want i don't want i don't want i don't want that very thing you will be absorbed in because the repulsion uh, what is that what you resist what you resist it persists if you keep saying no 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 the subconscious mind says yes 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 there is a beautiful class i sent it to runam today yeah i sent it to him it's called suppression you can't suppress your desires suppression versus mind control because if you suppress them it comes back ugly way it comes back with vengeance so make peace with anathas go to krishna krishna please take care of me i am yours and then be peaceful no don't beat yourself i'm bad if you are bad what do bad people do bad people do bad things isn't it what do bad people do they do bad things right so if you say i'm bad i'm bad then you will do bad things so start liking yourself also is that okay alright sorry for that <laughs> i got carried away for that example hare krishna more spiders <laughs> yeah in ramayana also there is a story of a spider and you know that the spider wanted to help lord ram build the 